The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, third chapter. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham." Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with everyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. The soldiers also asked him, And me, we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages." And as the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his thrashing floor and to gather the wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many exhortations he proclaimed the good news to the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God, what shall we do? Let our life of faith reflect the Christ you have sent to us. Amen. So the text, week number two, is about John, who's in the wilderness, preaching the good news to the people doesn't sound like good news. You brood of vipers. How's that how you greet the congregation, right? So what is the good news that John brings? Why are they going out into the wilderness to hear a preacher? I think when repentance and forgiveness are available, judgment comes as good news. The aim is to save the wheat. The aim is not to burn the chaff. So John is offering hope and new life for tax collectors, the soldiers, and all sinners so that we can all be gathered by Jesus into his kingdom. So the text has a question. What shall we do? 
a pastor tells this story. My grandfather never questioned the grocery bill. All the other expenditures fell subject to his review. But the grocery shopping belonged to my grandmother. Papa had good reason to be frugal. Though we never were hungry, we lived relatively little inside our 526-foot square home in South Carolina. Under these circumstances, Papa kept a tight grip on the finances, even our weekly contribution to the church. $10 for the offering plate, plus $1 for each grandchild in Sunday school. As far as I know, Papa never discovered the secret my grandmother and I shared. Every Saturday, she and I went into town in her blue Ford Torino. As I pushed the cart up and down the aisles, she carefully collected food in duplicate. Two boxes of cereal, two jars of peanut butter, two bags of flour. We did this until our cart looked like Noah's Ark, with food items arranged two by two. Then we'd check out, using a hefty stack of coupons. We'd load the car with heavy paper grocery bags, and then we would drive straight over to the town's food bank, where my mother would donate exactly half of everything. And she bought my silence each week with a small candy bar. One candy bar for me, and one candy bar for the food bank. When I was eight years old on one of these trips, I asked my grandmother for a brand name cereal I had seen on television. We can't afford that, she replied without looking up for her list. If we can, if we, we can if we, oh, excuse me, we can If we don't buy two of them, I grumbled. Grandmother's eyes met my eyes. She put her hands on my shoulder and she said, If we can't afford two, we can't afford one. I never asked my grandmother whether our weekly grocery run was a direct response to Luke 3. Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And John the Baptist replies to the crowd, Wrath to come, but whoever has food must do likewise. Given my grandmother's tendency towards literal interpretation of the scriptures, the odds are favorable that she was quoting John Right on her heart, her obedience was called for in action. So the text is asking us, what shall we do? That's a different question than, what shall we believe? That's a different question than, what shall we prayerfully discern is our mission? It's more like the question, 
How shall we interpret John's words in such a way that we maintain our comfort while our neighbors suffer? The question is, what shall we do? This is about ethics. This is about repentance. This is about action. This is about the Holy Spirit compelling us to be God's hands and feet in the world. More than just being preoccupied with our own salvation. What shall we do, the people asked John. Sometimes we think the answer is complicated. Sometimes it is. But buying two bags of flour is a good start. What shall we do? And John says, be honest. Collect no more than what is prescribed you. What shall we do? Be kind. If you have two coats, share with one who has another none. And if you have food, share likewise. What shall we do? Work hard. Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages. And we ask, John, is that all you're talking about? What we learned in kindergarten? Is that it? Is that what paradise is about? And the answer is yes. What did we expect John to say? John was in your face. And people wanted to hear the good news. What shall we do? And he told them. Oh, he could have said, you can become a mystic, an aesthetic, and live in the middle of Norway, nowhere, and meditate and chant and prayers day and night. He could have told them, revolt against Rome and bring your freedom. He could have told the ordinary working folks, carpenters, bakers, tax collectors, set up an organization to care for the poor. And all of those are good. We need meditative life. We need those working for the good of society through government. We need those who are reaching out to the poor. But John makes it personal. Go back to your regular life. Go back to your regular activities. Go back to your regular vocation. And do it better. Do it honestly. Do it as service for others. Share what you have, John said. 
Be honest and above board in your work, John said. Be faithful to whatever task is yours to perform, John said. He's telling us to be nice. Is this the message of the Messiah? It is, and more. Tom Long tells a story. He moved to Atlanta and started worshiping in a new church. And they had a new members dinner. And the pastor had everyone share why they joined that church. Some said they liked the good children's program. It gave the kids something to do after school. Some noted that the location of the church was just right and it had good parking. And others said they liked the organist and the lovely music. And then a man stood up and he said, For more years than I can remember, I've been a crack addict. I've been a boozer. I've been a derelict. But through this church, through the power of Jesus, it has been turned around. And that's why I'm a member of the church. The new members felt sheepish. We came for good parking. He came for salvation. We, the church, are about changing lives. Salvation and its announcement is what we are about. And Luke 3 paints that picture clearly. Salvation reaches down into the lives of normal people and changes them. Doesn't make them a superstar. It doesn't give them bliss their whole life through. But it takes the gifts that they have and that they are and they shine in the radiant hope that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Lord in their life. Amen.